Thanks so much, guys. You were brilliant, weren't they great? Superb. Well, welcome. My name's Nathaniel. I'm one of the leaders here at Gateway Church. Thank you also for helping to welcome Penny into our uh, family. That's been great. It's also good to have a few extra family members myself in here this morning. Um, keep the heckling to a minimum, if you could. That would be helpful. So, welcome to Next Gen Sunday. It's one of my favorite Sundays of the year, actually, because it's a chance to celebrate. We can celebrate new life, like Isabella and like Penny. And we can celebrate new spiritual life as well. We can celebrate family, both physical and spiritual, and reconnect with our vision as a church to grow our spiritual family as we tell others about Jesus. And I'm so grateful to be part of a church that shows care and God's love to all ages and stages of life. And I hope you felt a sense of that this morning, a sense of welcome that everybody here is accepted, no matter who you are, whether you're a believer, if you would call yourself a Christian or not, young or old, All of you are welcome this morning and welcome within the family of God. And I'll say from the outset, if there's anything that you've heard today or anything that we've spoken about, or if you've got any questions, I'd love to talk to you more at the end. So please do come find me. They're the sorts of questions I love to answer. So today's a celebration as we support the next generation and give thanks to them and for them and encourage them and help them as they grow. And it's great to be able to take time to honor them in that way. But there's also implications for us sat here now, because if they're the next generation, that makes us the current generation. And that means that there's some responsibilities for us and a charge to support and grow the next generation as well as our own. If you're a father or a mother here this morning with a kid on your lap or in the room at the back, then I'm sure you'll find some immediate application Uh, to this morning's message with the kids that God God has blessed you with. But you might not be a father or mother sat here this morning. Those days might be long behind you now. What I hope to be able to show you this morning is that there's a family model that we're all a part of, and that as a part of that family, we all have familial responsibilities to engage in. And to help look at this, we're going to look at a couple of verses from 1 Corinthians to see how Paul talks about Christians, about believers in God, in familial, in family terms. Now, the church in Corinth was one that was established by the Apostle Paul. Paul was called an apostle because he went from town to town, city to city. He preached the gospel, told people about Jesus. He made believers and established churches where those believers could live out their faith together and do the same. Now, Corinth was one of the largest cities in Greece. You can see it there, ringed in red. And uh, there's a nice ruin I found on uh, Google for you to look at as well. But it was massive, okay? It was one of the biggest cities in the region at the time. And as with any big city in the region uh, at that time, there was a mix of people. There was a mix of religions. There was a mix of different cultures. There was a mix of different faiths. And for the most part, it had its fair share of cultural problems as well. There was a lot of immorality. And 1 Corinthians actually talks about it being a city that was full of sexual immorality. It was a place that was just a bit awful, So to be a Christian in this space was difficult because it was radical. It meant turning away from what everybody else was doing, turning away from the immorality that was in the city. It was turning away from those other prevailing religions and to believe in Jesus and all that he taught. Now, Paul established the church and he moved on, but he began receiving some letters outlining some concerning practices and teachings that had crept into the church since he left. So this letter from Paul back to the Corinthians that we call 1 Corinthians was a response to those concerning reports, speaking directly into the problems of the church and reminding them to turn away from immorality and to turn towards Jesus. 
This letter was to correct and to instruct and to inspire them to live, not like the people around them, but like Jesus. And in the midst of this letter, as he's helping to correct and he's helping to guide and he's offering advice, we get to 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14 to 16. And it's up on the screen there for you as well. And at this point in his letter, he says this, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Let me paraphrase that in my own words. What he's saying at this point in the letter is, I'm not trying to shame you, this isn't a telling off, but to help you as your father in the faith, as one who's always there for you. We believe in Jesus and our lives should line up with who he is. Let me show you how it's done. I copy Jesus so you copy me and be more like him. What a fatherly tone Paul strikes here in this letter. It's one that speaks for the love of the church that he established people he knows and people he cares about. And I hope as we read that, you saw the family language, that familial language that Paul uses. We, the gathered church, are the family of God, brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers. And we all have responsibility to one another in that regard. It's actually one of the most important distinctions of the Christian faith. What we're called to be as Christians isn't to just follow a bunch of rules or to be followed by an overbearing ruler. But what we're called to as Christians is to a relationship with God who we get to call Father. It's a family relationship, caught up as children as God, children of God in this family relationship with him and with one another. And these verses also show us what our responsibilities are as family members. Paul tells them to imitate him in living a Christian life, a gospel life. That means a Jesus-centered life. And that's what we're supposed to do. Generation after generation, it's a call for people to a life of following and imitating Jesus and being an example to others in how we do it. And of course, there's some immediate implications for people like me and Gordon who lead the church here. As elders, we're called to be spiritual fathers to the church, but there are many in this congregation, I would say, are spiritual fathers and mothers to me who help to show me what it means to live like Jesus. And we've all got responsibilities to one another, no matter who we are, and to the children here and to the world around us, to show people how to live a life centered on Jesus and to point one another and others to Jesus as well. On Next Gen Sunday, as we've celebrated the children as they continue to grow up in our church family, we've all got a responsibility to help show them how it's done, to live that gospel-centered life, that moment where... Gordon asked you all to stand and said, would you stand with Paul and Ledlina and me and Emma? Will you help us? That's our responsibility together as a church to one another, to help out one another. I did also hear the bit about practical help, by the way, so that wasn't lost on me. But it's to help, it's to help one another to raise our children and show them how it's done to live that gospel-centered life, that life centered on Jesus, and to teach them to do the same. That was the fatherly instruction of Paul, an imitator of Jesus, to the church that he loves in Corinth. And now it's the expectation of us as Christians, for us at Gateway Church, we're called to be like Paul, gospel fathers and mothers, gospel parents. And with that in mind, I want to take a chance this morning to share three very quick points just to help us explore what our responsibilities look like this morning. The first point actually isn't too much of a responsibility at all. The first point actually was just to take the chance to say thank you and to say, well done. 
I actually want to take a moment to commend you all because this season has been a season unlike any other we've faced in this generation. On Next Generation Sunday, we look towards the generation that's to come and celebrate them, but we, the current generation, have lived through something pretty spectacular, haven't we? It's been a season of isolation, a season of worry, a season of frustration, of being away from loved ones. Even this morning, we can still feel the pain of that, sat with masks on, physically separated from those that we'd normally be sat right alongside. It's been unprecedented that churches haven't been able to meet physically. We've had to get used to doing live streams. We've not been able to come together as family. If you're a parent, you'll have suffered through homeschooling, and I use that word suffered very specifically. There have been times where we've put out live streams and wondered if anybody's even going to tune in. I've sat and spoken to a a camera and thought, is anybody going to listen to this? We've put out tickets in the hope that people would find courage to come and sit alongside us when we've been allowed to do so. So I want to start by saying thank you and by saying well done. We've just finished a preaching series here at Gateway Church called Staying the Course, and I'm so proud to be able to stand here and commend you all for doing just that, for leaning into faith and leaning into community and leaning into Jesus in a season where actually we're all locked at home behind closed curtains. And the temptation could have been to have fallen away. Well done for those of you that have been parenting kids. Well done for supporting the vulnerable. Well done for leading yourselves in the gospel. Well done for keeping going, for imitating Jesus in what especially for some has been the hardest of circumstances. This generation, the one sat in this room, has been tested through this season. And it's my prayer that it's strengthened us in what we believe, in who we are in Jesus and that this strength and resolve that has been born in us in this season will be passed along to the next as they've watched us and how we've responded in this season. I'm so proud of how we've stood together as a community, how we've encouraged one another. This year's theme at Gateway Church is adventures in generosity. And I've heard so many stories of people being generous to one another, dropping food off, encouraging letters, calls and doorstep chats and garden meetups and life group meetings and Zoom prayer meetings and all the rest that you've all faithfully attended over the last year or so. It's been a hard season, but one that we've endured together and one that we've endured well. And we should take a moment just to mark that and to say well done. I'm under no illusion that we're at the end of our trials. It's particularly stark to me as I'm sat looking at masked faces. But I wanted to say well done, Gateway. Let's keep pressing on. Let's keep encouraging one another, supporting one another, being generous to one another, loving one another, even if it's tough. And thinking about our theme this morning, that's what a family does. It's there for one another, no matter what. And I'm so encouraged by the many stories of what has been done in this season. And if you're still struggling this morning, if you need help or prayer or encouragement or support, then this is your family. So come and talk to us because we'd love to take that journey alongside you. So that's the first point. Well done. Point number two then is that we're called to take our responsibilities seriously. I nodded to the fact earlier that homeschooling was particularly difficult, and I would be fair to say that it was a fairly low point in the hobby household. We just had Penny. She'd just been born in December. Then in January, we're thrown into lockdown. And not only were we dealing with a newborn baby, as well as juggling full-time work and all the normal responsibilities we had, we then got told we had to be full-time teachers as well. We had one child in year two, one in reception, a raft of work coming in each day to complete with each of our kids. 
I can sit here and moan, actually, it was my wife who was the true hero during that period of lockdown, all that she was able to do. But reading our text this morning, I was reminded of the way that we've been able to instruct our children through that season. Paul wrote to the Corinthians not to shame them, not to tell them off, but to warn them and correct them and instruct them and love them and to tell them to imitate him. He's saying, let me show you how to do it. The father heart of Paul comes through here, the same as homeschooling or teaching your child to ride a bike or teaching them about Jesus. One of the best ways to do it isn't through frustration, isn't through shame, but through lovingly correcting and teaching and getting them to imitate you. Let me show you how to do it. Now, I can't say we always did that when we were homeschooling. There was a little bit of frustration that crept in, but for the most part, that's what we were aiming for, and that's what Paul's doing here. Let me show you how to do it. I'm your father. I want to show you how to do it. It's that fatherly instruction of Paul and the model for us to continue into the next generation as well. As followers of Jesus, follow us so that we can show you how it's done. That's the charge to this generation. To those of us who would call ourselves members of God's family, regardless of your parental status, we're being told that we're fathers and mothers to those around us with a charge to raise others to spiritual maturity as well. I want to look at this language again. He says in verse 14, and it'll come up here, I write to you, dear children, I became your father through the gospel. There would have been people in his congregation in Corinth that were older than him people who were richer than him, people who had more life experience than him, people in positions of authority, yet he still calls himself a father and then children. And this speaks of the way that families work, especially when it comes to maturity. We all know that when children are young, they need our guidance in all sorts of ways. They need to learn how to eat and they make all sorts of a mess. They need to learn how to dress. They need to learn how to tie their shoes as well as how to relate to others and learn Uh, how to read and write and all those other things as well. And as they get older, they learn and become more independent and are able to do more. They can learn more and grow more until they reach a point of maturity. And if you've done your job well as a parent, they become a functioning member of society with responsibilities and jobs and possibly even one day children of their own. And that maturing process as it happens the relationship between parent and child starts to change. I don't relate to Eleanor, who was up here uh, with us, in the same way that I relate to Penny, because she's grown and she's older and she knows more. And actually, as they get older, they don't need you to tie their shoes anymore. They become more responsible. They grow in wisdom. And the roles start to change. And when they get a lot older, they're able to speak into your life as well as you speak into theirs. And one day, we might even end up relying on them to tie our shoes as well. And there's something about this that speaks to the situation that we see in the Corinth church. While they may have varying levels of wealth and life experience, they were spiritually immature. And 1 Corinthians actually says that. They needed a spiritual father. And in church life here in 2021, we may find seasons where we have to play different roles, to be father and mother to one another, to grow through generations, to encourage and inspire faith in the next as we go. As the family of God, we've got a role to play in discipling one another to maturity, in taking one another to Jesus and using him as our example as we grow in maturity in our faith and become the sorts of people worthy of imitating because we know how closely our lives show love, our love for Jesus. Now, when we start out on that journey of faith, when we're new Christians, new believers, we might need a little bit more correction. We might need some spiritual shoe tying as we get to grips with our new faith. 
But as we grow and read more of the Bible and pray and learn and understand, the hope is that we grow from children to parents, that we grow to a place of spiritual maturity in the church, a point where we can say, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. That's what maturity in the church looks like. Men and women who are fathers and mothers in the faith, worthy of imitation because of the strength of their faith in Jesus Christ. And for all of us, our responsibilities extend to the way that we share our faith among all generations to the people outside of this room as well. It was brilliant that we got to read from Psalm 145 together this morning. Let me just read a little section of it for you again now to remind you of it. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. I will meditate on your wonderful works. They, that generation, tell of the power of your awesome works and will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. One generation commends your works to another, says there in verse 4. We're charged with telling people about Jesus, of growing the family of God by sharing the good news of our faith through Jesus. To share what Jesus has done in our lives and why we believe what we believe. I'm delighted to say that we're in a church here where that's happening, where we're seeing new life, not just through babies born, but people turning to Jesus. It's in our DNA as a church. And we want to show you a really quick video that shows you exactly what we mean. So it's back over to Chris and Rob, who are going to share our next video with us. They say life begins at 40. Well, my life really began at 40 because that's when I met Jesus and became a Christian. And as a father with two young boys, I always felt that living a good life and loving and caring about my children was a good example to them that they may, in, as in their later years, grow up to believe in the Lord Jesus as I've done. And I'm glad to say that they both have begun to believe in Jesus. They both live, live with a life with Jesus. Hi, uh, my name's Mark and most people know me as Abbo. I've been a Christian now for just over 40 years and lots of people have influenced my faith and my walk, um, but probably most notably is the guy that was on before me, the little short guy called Tony, my dad. And what is it about him that's influenced me? Well, it's more about the fact that there's uh, a life of integrity, um, a life of prayer, um, wisdom, he's always happy to give wisdom. I might not have always reacted to it, but it's always been there and I've always known that I can trust him. And he has just been a, a light and a beacon for loving Jesus Christ, loving his family, loving the people around him, and just being Jesus to everybody that he meets. Hi, my name's Derek. I've been a follower of Jesus and a lover of Jesus for 38 years. Uh, an, influencing, uh, in, an influence in my, in my journey was, uh, was Mark Absalom and he invited me in 1983 to a campaigner camp and he was only in his teens, he must have been about 14 or 15 and he invited me along as a helper and uh, during that time, near one of the last evenings of the, of the week, I heard the gospel message and I understood for the first time why Jesus died for me, and that changed my life. Hello, my name is Steve, and I've been a follower of Jesus for seven years. Uh, Uncle Derek, he's played out quite a big influence, um, not my life, my sisters as well. 
uh, as when we were younger, um, as an uncle, he was just stood out from the rest of the family and he was just quite fun to be around. And I think ultimately he was just praying for us a lot, he wasn't throwing the gospel at us, but just praying um, and there was real fruit to his prayers later in life when me and my sister both came to know Jesus. And so for, for Ben and for Joshua, that's what for me and Izzy learned really, that we need to be praying for them. Um, we can, as I said, like we can throw the gospel at them until we're blue in the face, but ultimately uh, we just need to keep praying and um, asking Jesus to have uh, a fresh encounter in their lives. Wonderful. Well, no more poignant way to express Next Generation Sunday than with a video that shows exactly how the Gospels pass from generation to generation. My temptation was just to play that four or five times over and then sit down again because it it so brilliantly articulates the point. As a dad like Tony or Steve, I feel that responsibility to bring my kids up to know Jesus, to have integrity that that video speaks about. But we've also got responsibilities like Mark to Derek to tell others about Jesus, to share our faith, not just with our physical families, but prayerfully to those around us, friends and neighbours and colleagues. Wouldn't it be great to see them among us as a part of our spiritual family as well? One generation commending God to the next, that's what that video was all about. I'm actually really grateful to my mum and dad who were sat here this morning. It's the reason that I'm stood here is because they brought me up in church I was able to hear about Jesus, to learn, to, to have, have them model what it was to live a gospel-centered life. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity. And I feel that same responsibility to my kids as well, standing here in front of you all and promising, saying those words. It's not just words, I mean them. When I say I will, that's a promise that I've made before God. I want to stand here and say in front of all of you, I'm promising to bring my child up. I want to see them sat here worshiping Jesus as well one day. And that's why I love this church, because it's a shared endeavor. That's why we got you to stand up and say, we will as well. There are people here who pray for us, and we want to commit to praying for one another, to praying for our kids. Who ha- people here who help support us. People here like Rob and others who help to teach our kids about Jesus on Sunday. It's brilliant what Rob said. It's not a babysitting service. They're out there preaching the gospel to our kids right now, helping them to grow up in the faith. And so we've got that responsibility, Gateway Church, to be that generation for the next one, to be the ones who share the gospel message of Jesus, who show people how to live, how to love Jesus, how to walk as he instructs, not just to those numerically younger than us, but to those who who need to hear it, those who don't know Jesus, to those who need to be inspired by Jesus, those who need an extra measure of faith to choose Jesus instead of the world. And that requires maturity, by the way especially when it comes to speaking about Jesus in a society that doesn't really want to hear it. And that's what was going on in that church in Corinth. They were so easily swayed by the culture around them that they ended up getting lost. And that's why that letter was written. And we need to stand firm in what we believe, even when it's hard, when we live in a society that does preach differently on the ethics of sexuality or abortion or morality that differ to ours. We need mature fathers and mothers to show self-control, to encourage, to instruct, and to stand firm for what we believe in, knowing that God's way is the right way and to instruct even when it's hard, when it goes against the prevailing wisdom of society, like it did in Corinth. We need to parent, not in an overbearing sense, but in the sense of having that moral compass, in the gentle, loving sense, to love and bear with and pray for and disciple and preach the gospel to people. We've stood here and said similar before, 
culture has become so individualistic. Actually, we live in a society now where you can believe what you want to believe. You can do what you want to do. That's fine. You know, we've all got our own truth. The reality of that, though, is that if everybody's truth is right, then no one's is. It's more confusing than ever with voices instructing from all sides. There's 2.8 billion Facebook users now. Imagine that. 800 million videos on YouTube with a combined 1 billion views. You'll find views for and against almost anything you want. Endless awareness days and campaigns and instructions and political viewpoints. Limitless knowledge at your fingertips through the power of the smartphone in your pocket. It's like a limitless free sweet shop and we're all instructed to help ourselves. But with so many voices and instructions and so many videos and so many arguments on either side, so much wisdom, how do we teach the next generation to distinguish between those they listen to and those that they don't? If you've got videos preaching the virtues of all arguments, then which argument is the right one? Here's a really trivial example for you. Obviously, England won last night. Another celebration for that one. But look at the way that the, uh, the media in the country will talk about Raheem Sterling, he's a hero one day, he's a villain the next day, he's obscene, and then he's the only man. Which one is it? Which one's right? Poor blokes, just a footballer trying to do his job, but he doesn't quite deserve either. But with voices on all sides, how do we know what's true? Is he a hero? Is he a villain? Is he both? Is he neither? Like I said, it's a trivial example, but you can replace that chap with anybody in society, and you'll find similar arguments. And it's here that Paul gives us our answer, and it was something that the church in Corinth wasn't immune to either. One of the issues that the church in Corinth was facing was that people were allying themselves to different leaders within the church. There's actually a passage in 1 Corinthians where they start saying, well, you know, Paul says, well, you're saying, I've been baptized by Apollos, so I'm superior. I've been taught by Cephas, so I'm superior. And Paul says, no, 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 it's got nothing to do with Apollos or Cephas. It's got nothing to do with the individuals in the church. It's all about Jesus and what he's done for you. In our text today, he says, even if you had 10,000 guides in Christ, 10,000 good teachers, you don't have many fathers. Thankfully, I don't think we've got this issue at Gateway, but we have got 10,000 guides in our culture and probably even more if you go on YouTube. They're everywhere. You've got Oprah or Joe Wicks or Greta or Harry and Meghan or whoever it is that we want to listen to. Everybody's telling us how to live. Three billion of them on Facebook. But we don't have many fathers or mothers. Let me read our text again this morning for you. I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guides in Christ, you don't have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. We need to be fathers and mothers to bring calming, peaceable voices to inflame situations. We as spiritual fathers and mothers need to stand up for the rights of the oppressed. We need to show the world that we really care. We really care about the state of people's lives, the condition of the planet. We're called in every generation. We, the current generation, are called in this generation to pass on the treasure and truth of the gospel to the next to always have our eye on the next generation. We need to be fathers and mothers to one another as we navigate this life, to continue to preach wisdom to one another, to encourage one another and to help one another stand firm, to tell one another and the next generation the truth of the gospel when we really need to hear it and to help one another stand firm in it, to know what real truth is and to not be afraid to stand up for it even when it's hard. 
So Gateway Church, that's the charge for you this morning, is to take your role as fathers and mothers in the church seriously. We need fathers and mothers among us, so make it your business to be a father and a mother in the Lord as the situation requires, and make it your business to be humble enough to be fathered and mothered when you need it as well. My third and final point, and it's just a quick one, is that it's all about Jesus. And I want to finish here to by, by being clear what we're talking about. Especially if you're sat here and you're new to Gateway or new to Christianity, or perhaps you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. What we're talking about here isn't some sort of indoctrination. Don't worry, there's no contract for you to sign on the way out. Those of us who are sat here as Christians this morning are sat here freely because we believe that a life lived with Jesus is totally and entirely worth it. As Christians, what we're calling people to is a family relationship with our Father in heaven, someone who knows us and loves us, who will never let us down and never leave us and never abandon us, a God who gives good gifts, who comforts and strengthens and encourages, a God who saved us from a death that we deserve because of the things that we've done wrong and made us right before him so that we can enjoy an eternity in blissful heaven with no more pain or sickness or suffering or death. Jesus is our saviour. The Bible calls him the way, the truth, and the life. He's the ultimate truth in a world that needs clarity. He's our saviour who died on the cross to take away the sins of the world and gift us relationship with our Father in heaven, which means that living life as a Christian isn't something that we have to do, but something that we get to do. It's not a trial, but a joy. We're not called to a set of rules that we have to obey, but to an ultimate father who loves us, who provides correction and instruction and stability and acceptance. And I want to finish by sharing a video with you of one of our newest family members, who in just about one hour from now is going to be baptized at our 11.30 service. His name's Matt Pugh, and He's going to have a chance to stand before his spiritual family and declare his faith in Jesus and be baptized into new life. It's going to be a public declaration of his love for Jesus. And I'll let him tell you why he made that choice. And then I'll come back and I'll pray for us. Hello, my name is Matt Pugh. I'm 25 years old and this is my story. I first came to the realisation that I needed God in my life over a year ago now. I believe it was February slash March 2020. I was super lost and depressed. I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. And um, my, my story sort of starts, started when I started uploading to the app TikTok and I uh, got some micro success on the platform. I was getting hundreds of thousands of views and my channel was growing very, very quickly. And I was just very... Um, unfulfilled and lost in life and it, I thought it was something that I really wanted and I kind of came to the realization that there must be more and on a six to twelve month um, journey I, I had just like self-educating myself on God I got the confidence to reach out to Rich from Gateway uh, Church and he recommended that I join their if God then what course and the rest is sort of history and through the course, I learned a lot about myself and also the community aspect that Christianity can offer. And most importantly, I learned that I needed a savior in my life. And um, through the course, I gained grace um, from Jesus and um, was one of the best decisions that I ever made. 
And in February of 2021, me and my girlfriend Robin attended Gateway Church for the first time. And we were so impressed with the service. And it was such a new experience for me overall. And um, we saw um, blessings get baptized. And I thought, what an amazing experience it was. And I thought, that's something that I could see myself doing. And it kind of brings me to who I, here I am today. And um, God has become such a center point of my life and um, is key to everything, my decision-making, my relationship, and everything else in between. And today marks a, a real um, important moment for me in my life. And um, I'm excited to build a stronger relationship with God and have done um, every single day. Wonderful. Well, why don't you stand with me? Why, why don't we pray for Matt, shall we? And then I'll pray for us and we can come back and sing again. Lord, we just want to thank you for Matt. Thank you for the decision that he's made to follow you. Thank you for that eternity-changing, destiny-changing decision, Lord, that um, you made yourself irresistible to him. And Lord, I pray that this day would be a day that he remembers for the rest of his life as a day where he stood and in front of everybody said that he believes in you, his Lord and Saviour. And Lord, I want to pray for each and every one of us, members of the current generation, as we've looked today to the next. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to grow to spiritual maturity. I pray that you'd help us to take our charge as spiritual fathers and mothers seriously, to stand firm in the gospel, in the truth that we know, even when it's hard and the society would say otherwise. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to stand firm to the truth of who we are in you and what you've done for us. And I pray, Lord, that we can pass that onto the next generation as well. That we'd be celebrating many, many children in this church who come to faith, who come to say that you are their Lord and Saviour as well, who come to be baptised, who come to grow and come to raise a generation behind them as well. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.